0: I have a little model that I teach people called the management mastery model. And really it's just if you think of three concentric circles, one inside the other. And in the middle is mindset. So for me, everything stems from mindset, which is exactly what you're saying about self mastery, understanding where are these thoughts or emotions coming from? How do I wanna process them? How are they impacting on myself and others before I then do something with them? And so in mindset as well is a lot about just understanding what are my beliefs? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about the world? What do I believe about how much control I have over how things happen? And that I'm the master of my faith
1: Welcome to the Secrets of Success Podcast, I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keys. You know, today is an interesting guest because AJ, Alexandria Joy, is the first person living in a tiny house, at least that I can remember that we're interviewing, and we'll cover her journey about her quest to help people to declutter their life mentally, emotionally, and how she works with leaders to be able to optimize team and personal performance. But before we get into that interview, one of the things we talked about in the show and just the importance of it, and it comes up over and over again. And the reason that it's so important is because it's foundational to our success in today's 21st century, and that is self-awareness and self-mastery. So how can I have self-mastery if I don't have self-awareness? And one of the things that CRG does as well as anybody in the world is our tools and resources help you to get conscious and awake and aware of your tendencies in several different categories from values to personality to wellness to leadership skills. So today I'd like to recommend that you consider our Why Aren't You More Like Me course which is based on the personal style indicator, which is the number one personality assessment as judged by participants around the world, and take you through a step-by-step journey to take you through the next level. Now, the research shows that only 2% of the population can realize their potential without this information, and that was done by TalentSmart, that's a third-party organization. So take yourself to the next level, or if you have a team or an organization that you want to take to the next level, then we'll recommend the e-course, or if you want it live, that's an option, the e-course, Why Aren't You More Like Me, which includes the personal style indicator. So thank you again for listening. If you like what we're doing, pass it on, let somebody else know about it, leave a positive review in whatever platform you are listening on. Here's today's show with AJ. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I am so privileged to have our guest today because I was actually just on her show not that long ago. Now, you could be listening to this show in 2040, so it wasn't just long ago, it was quite a while ago, but she just rocks it. She's amazing. and You know what? She's, because of technology, I'm in Vancouver and she is just north of Sydney, Australia. Welcome Alexandra Joy. AJ, hello.
0: welcome to the AJ. show. Yeah, hello Ken, how are you? Great to hear your voice again across the waves.
1: <laughs> well, and it's great to have you on and man, you just rock it. And, and listeners, you're just going to be so impressed by this person, by this uh, individual today. I just can't even say enough about it, and I, just beside myself. So here we go. Here we go. So AJ, you're a podcast host, you're a business coach, you really help others to be successful in life. But as I ask most people on most shows, is your journey and where you started, is Australia sort of your home birth country and area, or did you start elsewhere?
0: No, I am born and bred in Aussie, and I'm open to moving and going overseas as well. But right now, I'm firmly planted on Terra Australis (laughs) and grew up around a very large lake called Lake Macquarie, which is the second largest saltwater lake in the southern hemisphere. So it could kind of take you a day oh, to salt
1: a saltwater lake.
0: Yes, yes. And it could probably take you a day to go around it in a boat. It's quite large, yeah.
1: <laughs> now, is that just by your area there now that you're living or in a different area?
0: Similar, just on the other side of the coast. So now I live uh, more towards a uh, city of Newcastle and I live right near the beach. So I'm on the actual east coast now. So yeah, within half an hour's drive of each other. So I've kind of returned to my land at the moment and I travel a lot. Uh, so right now I'm just planted here because I'm being near my parents who have been going
1: through some health challenges. Yeah. Well, we get that. We understand sort of the dynamics as we've gone through that at home as well. So all the best Mm. on that. Now, I know that we're going to talk about your history and growing up here in a moment, but one of the things that you have on your bio is that you're a minimalist and I heard a rumor that you moved (laughs) into a tiny home or something like that.
0: Oh, the rumor precedes me. Yes. So in about 2016, like many of us do around that midlife, although I try not to think I'm getting near there <laughs> spot in life, I kind of realized that I was overwhelmed and a bit messy and cluttered in my life at in my head (laughs) emotionally as well as physically with all my stuff and so I spent the next two years minimalizing and downsizing all of my belongings and I literally let go of about 75% of my possessions. I still do own property but I rent it out to people and so during Mm. that time I had a local builder uh, work with me on building my own designed tiny house on wheels and I know they're quite popular and well-known in America, but here in Australia, mine was kind of one of the first 10 or so that was built because they were quite new here. Um, They're Mm. much more common now. So, yes, I... Downsized my whole life and all my possessions. Um, The shoes and the books were the hardest. (laughs) Um, I went down to 16 pairs of shoes which fit underneath the kickboards in the kitchen area and I had a lot more before that. But books, I found really challenging. I still have an office which I use as storage and I still have many boxes of books there because... They just have history and knowledge and information. So I'm yet to part with them, but I know I'll feel lighter mm. and freer when I eventually do. <laughs>
1: well, it's fair to separate business from personal, though it's integrated. We know that, uh, oh, and so you're allowed to have that office storage area with those books in that. And being an author, <laughs> it's good uh, that we still have that. So when you know when you think about the transition or the change, mm. what was really driving you to create a tiny house. I mean, you can reorganize your life without going to that trait (laughs) or down that pathway. And by the way, I watched these shows on tiny homes and I said, that's pretty cool. I'm not sure if I could do it, but what was really driving the decision to go that far?
0: I think a whole range of life things that happened to so many of us. I was definitely, I'd been a corporate refugee. I'd been in a relationship that um, I found quite stifling as well. And so I really um, wanted to move away and change everything for myself, really shift my mindset and I found that the more I became lighter and freer as I let go of possessions, the more alive I felt, and the more optimistic, and the more I wanted to explore, Um, and I always say I'm a biophiliac. I have a really deep love of nature.
1: Okay, biophiliac. (laughs) Yeah. I I can't say I've heard that word term before. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, so what does it mean? Yeah, so a biophiliac is someone who does
0: have that deep love for nature and feels very connected to the earth and to, you know, animals and feathered friends and the trees and those sorts of things. So I have a real sense of, you know, I feel at my best and most calm as most people do when I'm in the bush um, or on a mountaintop or swimming or And Mm. so, I just wanted to kind of return to it. I felt very much like I was living in suburbs and city and, you know, tar all around me, buildings all around me. And I just yearned for connecting more with the land and being... Um, having my day, I guess, more connected mm-hmm. to Earth and the planet, um, and the seasons, and all of those sorts of things. And I'm also really quite fiercely independent, and I love freedom. And so,
1: um, really, it that always, surprises me. That's a shocker. <laughs> uh,
0: and I wouldn't say it was <laughs> radical change. It was really incremental. And it's what I believe mm-hmm. in. I believe in ten degree shifts. I believe in just making small shifts. And it's sort of those small shifts that like compound interest over time have a big impact but I made the steps gradually so it was cleaning out a drawer and then it was cleaning out my closet and it just kind of eventually Mm. evolved and so now I can actually literally live on the land and move around and feel at peace and at one with that and if I don't like the view I can pack up and move. (laughs) Cool, well um, congratulations
1: on that and that's That's pretty neat. And, you know, there a lot of people are trying to say, how can I, you know, reduce my footprint? You Mm -hmm. know, we have a larger home. We enjoy it. We enjoy having all the kids over for, you know, Easter dinner or whatever it is or Thanksgiving or whatever it might be. So we're still in that space. But I get it. I understand it. And growing up on a dairy farm, I also get, you know, this connection to uh, when you're out in nature and land and the mountains and being in Mm -hmm. Vancouver, it's just a given. Absolutely. So, congratulations on that. Now, AJ, let's just sneak backwards in time a Mm -hmm. little bit. And so, you grew up. What was sort of your family life like? And what did your parents do?
0: Yeah, so, wow, that's going way back. Um, so my dad worked as an accountant, my mother um, worked part-time so that she could be home for us kids, so my brother and I, there's two of us coming home from school, um, and she was a photographic colourist in her family's photographic studio, so back in the day when photos used to be printed as sepia and someone would hand color or she would repair. Yeah, you were dating
1: yourself for sure.
0: Oh, I know, (laughs) isn't that scary? Um, And it was often people wanting restoration done on their parents' old beautiful wedding photos or, you know, cracked heirloom photos they'd found. And so she did that. Um, But she was around a lot for us. I was Um, quite bright at school but I had to work for it I would say I wasn't like naturally you know super bright I really worked hard and I loved school I applied myself quite a bit And I loved the humanities the most, so, you know, English and all of that sort of thing. I also danced, so I did and was trained as a classical ballerina in those years and um, loved the self-discipline and kind of um, inward reflection that that gave me and Mm -hmm. um, also loved animals and the land incredibly. So, every day I would come home from school I'd take my dog, Benji, and go straight down to the waterfront and the lake and walk around the lake and paddle with him and play. So, I've always been that way or I'd go to the bush and pick freezers and flowers and things like that. So, um, yeah, I was always connected that way and had lots of friends at school and was always you know, quite comfortable, but I also really enjoyed my own time and was quite a deep thinker and loved listening to music and I would also write a lot. So I've always journaled kind of my whole life and I still have many, many books of all my musings over the years.
1: (laughs) Well, there's a lot of research that shows that journaling is a very therapeutic but very positive experience Mm. uh, for people that do it, especially if you do it on a regular basis and it becomes part of this new Lifestyle or habit, if you want to call it that. So mm. uh, that's a good insight for the listeners. Not all of I've done it at different times, but not consistently. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I found I, it
0: so always helps me make sense of the world, kind of, and what's mm-hmm. going on.
1: Mm. And it, and through the writing there's a physicality that happens between your thoughts and the pen and your hand, or even if you're typing it, uh, it works well to uh, just process your ideas and your thoughts. So that's a, that's a good strategy for people to consider.
0: And it's been one of my biggest challenges now moving minimalist and in a tiny house where I'm weight restricted because I tow her. And so I can only have about 400 kilos of things that I bring into the house being clothes and food and books and things. So, um, I've had to be really minimalist in in books and paper and things. So Mm. I have recently this year bought an iPad with the um, Apple Pen, um, not to promote them, but it's been a god saver because instead Mm. of having thousands of journals, I um, write and save everything digitally. So my journaling is now done digitally, but I'm still physically writing with my own handwriting. So I still get that sense of the hand and brain connection.
1: You have to love technology and what it's done for us. I, I joke because this is my 30th year. I got into the business before email. And no. by the way, listeners, do you, do you even believe that that was possible, that life was possible? <laughs> yeah. And I had to travel across Canada on an airplane every week, five hours each way to fly to work with a client because there was no such thing as being able to have files in the cloud or send your proposal or your work via email. You had to be there. So, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, crazy, crazy times, and here we are with you in Australia. I'm here <laughs> in Vancouver. We're having this conversation like we're across the table from one another, and that's pretty cool. I, I think that's just. Uh, I don't. I just want to encourage people that we don't take this for granted. This is pretty Mm -hmm. amazing stuff that we have done with it. Now, technology has its other issues in terms of addictions and that, but we don't get into that in this show for this moment. Now, AJ, after schooling, did you go to college or university?
0: Yeah, so I went to university, I studied public relations and professional communication and sound and radio Um, and so I got my undergraduate degree in professional communication and then I went on and did a graduate diploma and a master's of business communication. So always in some kind of space of communicating with others (laughs) and yeah, then I went on to work as a practitioner, a public relations professional for a range of Organizations, government and private, um, spend a lot of time in health and education and also workplace safety.
1: Um, Yeah. Mm, Okay. Now, you mentioned something about being a corporate transient. I forget the word you used. What was the verb you used? A corporate corporate refugee. (laughs) Refugee. What did you mean by
0: that? That I escaped and essentially was trapped, I felt, when I was there as much as I really loved my work um, and I loved my teams. And what I looked at after a while was it was actually building other people and empowering and supporting people to grow as well as myself that really rocked me more than the actual practice of being a practitioner and working doing media and doing stories and working with volunteers and those sorts of things and I was really my freedom part was feeling quite constrained and particularly in the last corporate role I had I was a director at a large government um, safety regulator and so being a regulator they loved to regulate and I think in my first few weeks there I organized a barbecue for everyone to get together and I got a couple of emails from inspectors saying, had I done a risk assessment of the gas bottle, had I risk assessed how many people would be on the veranda and if that was safe and I was like, oh my God, this is just a barbecue. So I felt very constrained there and um, it was very bad. much a role yeah. involved with ministers and people
1: So, and they all had very strict rules. <laughs> they were obviously the part of the fun party, weren't they? Like, yeah. They- <laughs> oh, man, they're just the cluster there for sure. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's amazing how that can permeate a culture mm. and just, just ruin great ideas as part of it. So now that you're a refugee and you're out <laughs> and you're on your own, what does your company UQ stand for? UQ Power. Is yeah. it an acronym for something?
0: It is, it stands for your uniqueness quotient and also power is a reference to a great um, scale by um, a gentleman who's now passed but his scale by David Hawkins his name is is a scale of consciousness or awareness and basically anything um, it's a scale of zero to a thousand anything below 200 has to use force to get anywhere in the world whereas anything above 200 has innate power so the power refers to that UQ stands for uniqueness quotient and in lots of ways I work on helping people unlock the power of their culture and their people and to light people up at work so they can love what they do and feel that they can come and play their best game and contribute every day. And so much of working in the regulator and other cultures that were unhealthy has really supported me in what I do now because I've seen how that can you know, literally starve people of oxygen. I can see how people suffer from anxiety and depression. Um, as a result often of their work and yet we spend you know two-thirds of our life often at work and even when I was at the regulator the statistics over the seven years I was there showed that the injuries that used to happen in workplaces particularly here in Australia but it is a global trend as well were um, slips trips and falls and back injuries and those sorts of things um, in the beginning when I was there. And when I left, those had all but been mostly eliminated. So very, very much reduced through all the interventions and work and awareness being done. But what had increased dramatically was people suffering from anxiety, depression, bullying, harassment, and all of those psychosocial Mm -hmm. issues. So as a society, that's where we're injuring people now. And that's where people are unwell at work. And, And I'm just on a mission to create more conscious leaders that create cultures that allow people to actually unleash their power and to be fully expressed as humans at work.
1: Hmm. Now, I appreciate that, AJ, you know, that we're on the same space on this. So Hmm. when we think about cultures, haven't we been on this track the last 10 or 20 years to kind of get (laughs) over this? (laughs) Yep. Like, 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 aren't we past this already? But what you're saying is, is not really?
0: No. Unfortunately, I think what's happened is there is a model of management and how we led and managed people that was really kind of created in the industrial era, and that was what it was needing to be at the time it was created but that management model hasn't changed essentially and we've had some great people like Robert Greenleaf talk about servant leadership and all of those sorts of things and we do see some phenomenal leaders poke their head up now and then that have you know all of those amazing qualities and we see a lot of them in the Ben and Jerry's, um, the Zappos and companies like that today but essentially the principle and the practice of management hasn't changed a lot in 30 years and so we really need to catch up on what does a modern day manager look like and how can we master management in a way that doesn't suppress people but actually expands and empowers them so I believe we've still got a long way to go there's certainly a trend of that becoming more common um, I even saw a book last week that I've just ordered on Amazon that um, is called the healing organization and So people are starting to move towards understanding that, you know, cultures need to change. And Mm -hmm. I actually think companies have such an opportunity to change the world that it's one of the most underutilized resources we have that, you know, governments aren't going to be able to do it and small movements um, aren't necessarily going to get enough groundswell. But there's so many human, economic, and environmental challenges we're facing, that actually corporates could very much be the solution to those.
1: Yeah. Because they have mass and a critical tipping point that can happen. Absolutely. So what are some of the, you know, when you think about it, and you know, this is fascinating as we talk about people and success in life, but what do you think is driving sort of this emotional stress more so now than maybe even 10 years ago. So if we're hopefully improving in our management and the leadership style, yet we have mm. an increase of stressed or distressed individuals, mm. what do you think is contributing to that?
0: I think we've had to have cuts. So there's been staffing cuts where people are- you know, the amount of staff or the volume of workers is cut back and then they're expected to deliver more. A lot of it is just the way that we live, which is part of why I've shifted the way I live to experiment with myself um, in that we see a lot of social media, we do a lot of comparison, we then go, I need a bigger house or I need to you know, have five holidays a year and show all my photos on Instagram. So we're aiming for a lot more and in order to maintain some of those lifestyles, we then need to work a lot more in order to pay for that. So we've not seen enough increase in uh, incomes for people to actually manage what they're doing. So then they're in debt. So there's this whole cyclical thing, I think, um, and and it's just that capitalism approach of more 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 and that often we think that a company not doing well unless it's getting bigger and that growth is the only goal well what if Your company didn't grow, but your people became happier and you became more productive and that you could deliver high performance with what you have without needing to grow necessarily, you know, Mm. in that way. So there's, I just think, a lot of paradigms and mindsets that need to shift um, and to be challenged right now. And there's a whole heap
1: of things that are contributing to that. Mm. Well, I might have... What do you think? Well, I was just going to share my MBA study... Mm. Which one of the things that happens? One of the things we teach is that society thinks that ambition is e- equal to being upwardly mobile. Mm. And what my study showed was is that as people were promoted, their sa- job satisfaction decreased, not <laughs> increased, decreased. And we didn't have further questions because we hadn't really anticipated this result. And we believe one of the contributing factors, of course, is that I get this extra responsibility, these extra demands, and I'm now being promoted out of my passions. I'm being promoted mm-hmm. out of what I really want to do. I'm being promoted with this extra stress, if you want to call it that, as you talked about, and, but it was expected culturally. I mean, that's yes. what you would do. And I remember a retailer I had who this lady worked the cosmetic counter. And I used this story for 10 years and they constantly wanted to promote her to be supervisor. And I said, no, no, she's the number one sales rep in the entire company of 6,000 people and she loves what she does. And will you stop trying to promote her because she doesn't want to do it? And for years they were trying to promote her because she did such a good job at the counter. There'd be two or three people in the department and her clients, mostly women would wait for her. And mm. they wouldn't go to the other individuals because she was just that good. And so I think that's part of what happens. Even the supervisor didn't see or the manager didn't see that promoting her would be a disaster. They just thought that's the, what you should be doing. And so Absolutely. there is this, So mm. the, the other side versus her just being completely happy and, mm. and engaged in what she was doing. And this happens constantly, right? So I think that's what you're talking about too. Also, this whole thing that you mentioned around this whole social media, I wasn't even on LinkedIn until 10 years ago. So there's just the, the amount of ramped up kind of connections and what that does for our dopamine and as a health expert uh, with you as well, when you think about it, this whole addictive nature to social media, then it creates the stress as well
0: exactly and i think so many people see, see because companies only promote people into those kind of middle management and then executive permissions and often they've been a technical expert and they've absolutely loved their work and been really good as a technician and then they get thrown into middle management and i even see it in nurses and doctors as well and they then become administrators and they miss the patient contact and you know what they loved about their role mm. and then they go oh of my time is now managing these children in adult bodies. (laughs) So managing all of the intricacies. Oh, daycare, daycare. Yeah, exactly, adult daycare. And they're like, and all the love's gone out of it. And now I sit behind a computer all day and just do reporting and filing and, you know, rosters and things like that. So I agree. I think we should be also promoting people or giving a pay rise perhaps to someone like that woman who's just really good at what they do and love that and let them stay in their lane, stop trying to turn them into something else or if we're going to make them middle managers, we need to support them in doing that Um, and we just don't give people support and we're starting to more and more teach at school things like um, meditation and ways to actually manage. Um, stress and anxiety, but as a society in the past, we weren't very good at that. And so we were just adding things to our plate without
1: giving Mm -hmm. people coping mechanisms. Mm. Well, we won't get into a digress of depression and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, But uh, the reality is in North America, I can't speak for Australia, is that there have never been higher levels of suicide or depression, especially in people under 30. Mm. And, you know, a lot of that is the social media, but also lifestyle and just what we eat. And now there's a linkage, you know, at the peril of being sued is how antidepressants actually contribute to Mm. suicidal thoughts, right? So, uh, and being a person who had been on them in the past, I can speak to that from a personal experience. So with that, AJ... Uh, mm. Hey, we're going to get uh, re-energized here, so let's not go. <laughs> <off that.
0: laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> not that's trying to depress right. you all. <laughs> you know,
1: no, no, not at all. I think it's just part of being conscious and awake because one of the things that's big out there that is continued is around mindfulness, right? Which is you talked about meditation or uh, prayerfulness, depending on what your faith base or if you have something like that as well, is how can I be conscious and awake about what's going on emotionally and, and with me? And that's actually one of the skill sets that we teach leaders here is around self-management and Mm self-mastery. Well, I need to know how I'm thinking and feeling at this moment and where that came from before I can actually do anything about it. So when you're starting to work, AJ, with your clients, what Mm -hmm. are some of the discoveries that you're making? So let's make this extremely valuable for the Secrets of Success listeners. Mm -hmm. What are the things you're discovering and what are you coaching them towards to do so they can embrace this? sort of new level of consciousness or capabilities, abilities or success or effectiveness, whatever verb you want to use. What are you finding and what are you teaching them to do?
0: So I guess what I'm finding is a lot of people who feel a bit lost, who are like, I... I understand I should be doing things, but I don't know how to or I've never been taught that. And I have a little model that I teach people called the management mastery model. And really, it's just if you think of three concentric circles, one inside the other. And in the middle is mindset. So for me, everything stems from mindset, which is exactly what you're saying about self-mastery, understanding where are these thoughts or emotions coming from? How do I want to process them? How are they impacting on myself and others before I then do something with them? And so in mindset as well is a lot about just understanding what are my beliefs? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about the world? What do I believe about how much control I have over how things happen? And you know, that I'm the master of my fate. So I work a lot with people on their mindset first. And then the second circle out is minimalism. And of course, because I'm such a fan of it, but minimalism in the way of where could I make some small shifts in myself and my own daily practices or in the organization and its culture to actually start moving the needle and so minimalism in the sense of where is my mind cluttered? Where am I doing things that are redundant? What are some of the policies and procedures maybe that we have that are just stifling people and their creativity and not actually adding to the organization's productivity? I mean like you know, no
1: barbecues, right? Yeah,
0: that's it. <laughs> no fun. <laughs> yeah. um, well, and often taking away things, that reduce and hamper that. So I know um, a few companies who have actually removed things like their uniform policy and they said ever since we removed it, no one's shown up naked. You know, that's one of Netflix's um, famous things. They took away their uniform policy and they're like, yep, everyone comes to work in clothes. We're good. Um, But they also removed some of their travel policy. So they had very strict rules and regulations around when people travel, what they can claim and all those sorts of things. And it was quite confusing for people and a bit of a barrier. And so instead, they changed it to just say, do whatever is in the best interests of Netflix and so it's just a a guide like that and so people then can weigh up for themselves is this in the best interest of Netflix yes or no and so then they're able to explain their decisions if need be and so that's what I mean by minimalism is starting Mm -hmm. to look at where are we cluttering and even in physical space so often I go into workplaces and you know oh there's old desks there that are all piled in the corner or broken chairs and they're all just sitting there or we've got all these books and things that we don't use anymore and there's a lot of that clutter that actually physically weighs people down as well so that's kind of the second thing I look at with people and then we're not I just mm, want
1: to please hijack that word clutter Mm. is that people underestimate the emotional drain of Mm. that just kind of hanging out in the peripheral yes those desks are there you don't do anything with them they're in the corner But they just weigh on your spirit as you come in because it's not a fresh, clean space. So don't underestimate just sort of, i call it unattended clutter around your area. I mean, we've seen these hoarding shows. It's just (laughs) what it it does to people. I mean, Mm. they are psychologically damaged now Mm. as part of that clutter has completely consumed them. So my encouragement is, as you have said, what is it you can let go? Mm. And we just moved our offices and and got a new office, and I threw away the cassette
0: tapes. (laughs) Yes.
1: You know the all the you know I used to do some speaking with Mark Victor Hansen you know you know in the day, and I had all of his sets and other ones that I had from other public speakers and stuff in the day. I said, I don't even have a cassette player. We're like, why do I still have these things? Mm. Something like that.
0: Yes, and I know I see lots of like old computers and often it's in the photocopier room or they've got a storeroom and they don't have enough space for things and yet they're still hanging on to things. So you're right, that can physically drain you just seeing that stuff or stepping over it every day but also we're doing the same thing in our mind. We're cluttering. Mm-hmm. often we're, and, and social media, that's where it can contribute. We're so unused to sitting with our own quiet um, and not having our mind filled that um, there was a research study done recently where um, people had to sit for silence or they got a choice to sit for silence with their own thoughts in a room with no stimulation for 10 minutes or receive a small electric shock (laughs) and something like 40% of the men and women chose the electric shock (laughs) because they were so worried about sitting in silence for 10 minutes with no device or phone or
1: anything. And I think that's an issue. (laughs) Oh, really? Um, I don't know. Let me think. Oh, yes, it is. Of course it is. Uh, um, And I, I, hey, listen, we're all guilty of it. The other day I misplaced my phone. I just about, I said, boy, Ken, pay attention to how much you're freaking out over, you know, your phone Mm -hmm. somewhere. But the fact that I couldn't find it for a bit was I said, whoa, could yes. you Go without your phone. Sorry, I have to tell this story, and I'm yeah. I'm stealing, I'm stealing your time, AJ. No, but no. There was this. They were on uh, the streets of New York, and they asked these twenty-some-year-old guys, "Do you go without sex, or do you go without your phone for a day?" Oh, without sex for sure. I definitely <laughs> need my phone. So wow. that's kind of where. And I'm not trying to be rude on this show. Everybody knows I'm. I, we have a clean show, but it just goes and speaks to people's mindsets about. You know where they're at so Absolutely. number three sorry
0: so the third circle then is mastery and so that's starting to look at so as i'm adding or subtracting things what can i actually do to polish you know myself to sharpen the saw what are some of the things in mastery that are going to take me to next level and that's dependent on the person and the field they're in and what it is they want to achieve what are their goals in the world and so for everyone that's different but really looking at mastery so a lot of people and organizations i find book themselves into training or go, right, I just need to go to a course or I need to do something without having done that inner work first. So for me, mastery comes third after I've understood myself and my own beliefs. And then after I've stripped away all the things that don't Mm. serve me and that I don't need, then we have this beautiful, clean slate and we have alignment where we can actually choose to do the things that are going to make the biggest impact. And I know you and your organization have lots of great tools that people can use to actually um, define their values and find out more about themselves Mm -hmm. and leadership and so I would say all of that's really useful for that first circle of mindset and so that stuff's really useful to get a handle on who am I and what am I doing but don't Go and just sign up for a course until you've worked all of that out, you know. And then you can cherry pick and be very discerning about what is it that is going to move me forward. And maybe it's just something like journaling. Maybe it is I need to go home each day a better time. Whatever that might be for you, do that then. So mastery for me then is polishing Um, yourself and really thinking about what are the things that are going to make me even greater Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm very strengths-based believer so not necessarily going straight to what are my weaknesses but actually going where are my strengths and as you were saying where's my satisfaction and passion and how can I expand that because it's where I'm going to experience more flow and open myself to possibility and just the joy of life and and bring back Mm. some fun yeah (laughs)
1: absolutely fun hang on let me think about that I don't know maybe we shouldn't do that so and of course I'm being a little flippant with you (laughs) uh, with everybody that's listening and but it's accountable I mean we've none of our lives are perfect and there are days where you just say whoa Uh, yet how could we have a high percentage of it reflective of what you're talking about now can you believe it AJ we only have a few minutes left Mm -hmm. So before we get into some of your final comments, I want to make sure that people know how to find out about you and your work. I mean, our show gets listened to around the world. So, but you still do remote coaching and stuff like that. So how can they find out about you and your your company? What's your site and and your access points?
0: Thank you. That's really generous. And yes, I work with people all over the world and I've I think I've told you before, Ken, my brother lives in America, so I do um, go and work in America and other places as well, often when I'm visiting. Best way is just to go to my website, alexandriajoy.com.au, so A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-I-A, joy.com.au, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, all under AJ and Alexandria Joy as well. Um, And yeah, more than happy to connect with people. I write lots of articles on LinkedIn, lots of people find me that way and always happy to talk to people. So I work with people in one of two ways. I either say, do you want a lift or do you want a permanent shift? So for people who want a lift, I can do speaking and workshops and I also have some amazing card decks called um, Daily Optimisms and they're really beautiful artworks um, and uh, quotes for the day sayings and things to help you be more optimistic and then if people want to shift that's where I'll do more consulting and coaching and things that are I guess have a longer term impact so yeah that's mm. how people can find me
1: super now you uh, said that you have a gift for our listeners too where can I they do. find that
0: I do. For all the delicious humans, um, I have a beautiful 10 degree shift um, uh, process or a little tracker that you can use. And it is paper-based so that you do get that head and brain and hand connection. Um, And so that's at alexandriajoy.com.au forward slash giveaway just for your beautiful audience, Ken. And so that's a, a... A tracker where people can actually decide what's one small habit or thing that I want to shift in what's something I want to introduce or eliminate and remove and so you just literally track every day that you're doing it because as we know that's how habits are formed and my rule is never break the chain so you might be able to miss one day because of illness or something happening to a child or whatever but don't go more than one day so never break the chain so that you can pick it up yeah, mm. so there's a
1: great shift. To Otherwise, you're starting over.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: we, know so yeah. we know it. We know it. Well, thanks, AJ, for that. Now, with the the last couple of minutes that we have, yeah. AJ, what's the wisdom you want to share with the listeners just to encourage them beyond what you've already shared with us as far as, you know, your um, different strategies and ideas? But what would you want to encourage the audience to consider or think about as we wrap up the show
0: sure so I believe there's a simple science to unlocking your own potential and power and as I said I, I believe it starts with mindset so for everyone listening if you're a manager of people or whether you just want to perform better in your own life I really think it starts with your own beliefs and believing that you are lucky and successful and believing that you have control over your own destiny and there was an interesting another study done where they chose a random sample of people and they asked them were they unlucky or lucky kind of thing and the people who were lucky they let them go into this department store first and they would planted some money in the store and most of it was found by the lucky people. And then the people who said they were unlucky walked through the same store and they would planted fresh money and none of them found any. And so really what we think about, what we bring about, what we believe about ourselves is what we create. And so to be the architect of your own future means to sit and reflect and think, who do I want to be? How do I want to do that? You know, what do I want to become? And then start believing it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would be my tip.
1: Well, AJ, uh, on that note, thank you very much for spending the time all the way from Australia to hang out with us today.
0: It's been great. (laughs) Thank you for having me on the show. And good day to everyone. (laughs) Good day.
1: Well, stay with us, AJ. So, Secrets of Success listeners, Thank you very much for spending your most valuable commodity your time with us. Take what AJ has shared with you, the different insights as far as, you know, working with maybe starting a journal, mastering yourself, but first of all find out about your mindsets and your belief systems in and- the other side, when we think about life, is the ability to say no is equally important as the ability to say yes. So how do I minimize things in life? Stop taking everything on. Start saying no, not from a self-centered point of view, but from a self-honoring point of view. So all kinds of t- uh, You're probably going to want to listen to AJ twice or three times or four times or five times. So please, just, plus, just start restart and then go again. As always, thank you again for listening. If you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on, leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes.